Well, good morning. It's good. To, this is a beautiful day to be in church, it's a, and it's an even more beautiful day because it's going to get in the 70s, and you're actually going to be able to have a backyard barbecue for the Super Bowl. And yeah, we're a little sad that Cowboys didn't make it, but we can still have some fun. I want to do something a little bit different, if we could, today. I'd like to start out with prayer. My heart has been breaking for what's happened with the earthquake victims in Syria and Turkey. I opened my phone just this morning and saw that the numbers of those who have died is over 25,000. And I remember uh, when that number was 2,500 and my heart was breaking. And then I see these pictures of children coming out of the rubble and children who will have no names because all their family members have died and they don't even know who they are. And I, my heart is breaking for them. Would you guys join me in prayer for this? Heavenly Father, we come together as a church, a church body, and we're joining together and we're lifting up those that are suffering in Turkey and Syria. Uh, Lord, I, I want to just ask that you would move in a powerful way. I thank you the way you're bringing countries that have been enemies of each other together to reach the needs of the hurting. I pray that you would continue to use this as a, a time for restoration and peace between countries. I specifically pray for those Christians with boots on the ground that are there helping in this process. I pray that they'd be a source of encouragement. I pray that your name would be glorified. I lift up those families that have lost loved ones. I lift up those children who will have no parents. I pray that you would step in and do miraculous things that somehow, uh, as you have often done and continue to do, that you would show up in a powerful way and bring healing to these nations. I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt like your life is on repeat? All right? It looks like this. You put yourself to sleep at night. You set the alarm. The alarm goes off in the morning. You hit snooze three times. You get up. You're late. You're rushing to the bathroom. You're rushing to get ready. You're rushing, rushing to get the kids some breakfast. You're rushing to find their shoes. You're rushing out the door. You get to the job after dropping off the kids. You work through lunch to catch up because you were late. And then by the end of the day, you're so exhausted. You're driving home. You're thinking, man... I'm going to help my wife out. I'm going to buy a pizza at the drive-thru so that we don't have to make supper tonight. We get there at home. We eat the pizza. We go and we binge Netflix for two hours. We fall asleep, and it all starts over again. Repeat. Our lives sometimes feel like they're on repeat. You know what? There have been times like that in my life. I've felt that way. And I've wondered, is this all that life has to offer? It can feel like something is missing. I believe that missing part is a God-given need for purpose in our lives. We were designed with a deep need for purpose. And if we don't purposely find purpose for our lives, it leaves us with a sense of longing. It leaves us busy but lost in loneliness. And it can even lead to a shorter lifespan. As I was studying for this message, I kept coming across these medical studies talking about purpose and how people with purpose are healthier, they're happier, and they live longer. The happiest and longing, the longest living people are those who find purpose in life. 
Well, we're in a series called We Are. We're talking about who our church is. Who is Brownsville Community Fellowship? Who are we as a body? And as we're going through this, I want you to understand, we understand that we are purposeful people. We are purposeful people here at BCF. In fact, we even have a purpose statement. So if you just took class 101, I have a chance right now. We're going to get a mic up here. I have a chance for a $10 gift card if you can come up and tell me what our BCF purpose statement is. Somebody's got to know it. Somebody's got to know it. Don't be bashful. If you don't get it word perfect, that's okay. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. How about you, Pepe? <laughs> I'm calling you out. <laughs> okay. The rest of you guys had your chance. We exist to invite those who usually don't go to church and help them become fully transformed followers of Christ. You got it. Woo! Way to go. I'm saving this. You can come get it afterwards. We live life on purpose here at Brownsville Community Fellowship. We as a church family are going to be a part of that, that statistic that says we're going to live to be old. I love that. We're going to enjoy our purpose and we're going to serve with purpose. But how have we done it here in the church? And how do we do it if we're not doing it yet? How do we live with purpose? I want you to pull something out to write with because I'm going to share with you how I see us already doing this, living with purpose. And here's the first thing. Write this down. We are authentic in our relationships. All humans need relationship. We've been hardwired to need each other. I think I finally got this and understood this about 10 years ago when I decided I was going to have a spiritual retreat in the wilderness. I had Maria drop me off up at a campground up in the hill country, and I'm up there in the middle of nowhere, and it was amazing for the first five minutes. And then after that, every time there was a, a breaking stick behind me or something, I'm like just scared spitless. I'm like, what in the world? Am I going to get eaten by a wild animal? And that's not normally me. I'm the protector. When I'm there with my family, I'm the one who goes out there at night with a flashlight to check out what that noise is. But alone, I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. You see, we all need each other. It brings out the best in us. Listen to how the Bible describes the early church. They got this. It says, all the believers shared in meals, they shared in prayer, they met together in one place and shared everything they had. They shared the money that they had with those in need. They worshiped together. Each day they met in each other's homes and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You see, the first believers desperately needed each other. They were being persecuted. They desperately needed each other, and they knew they needed each other. We, we desperately need each other, and we don't know it. With the invention of technology, it feels like we're intentionally pursuing lonely and lonelier, lonelier lives. And that isolation is killing us. God never intended it to be that way. You see, the problem with isolation is that it drives us into selfishness. We have no, no one to bounce our ideas off. No one to bounce our hurts off of. No one to bounce our questions off of. 
The Bible supports this. In Proverbs it says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He is being selfish. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Have you ever felt yourself so hurt, so broken, that you think, I, I don't... I don't want to be around anyone right now. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't have the energy to answer one more question. I just want to be alone. Alone time isn't bad. But when we live in it day after day after day, when we disconnect, when we disconnect from the people that God has placed around us, we suffer. And you know what? We suffer alone we think and then we begin to believe no one even cares no one checks up on me but the problem isn't that no one's checking up on you or no one cares it's because they don't know you've disconnected you see God designed us as a body a body that needs each other the Bible says God, circle that, this was not man's plan, this was God's plan. God put each and every part of the body together as he wanted it. God, there it is, God's purpose was that the body should not be divided, but rather that all of its parts should feel the same concern for each other. If one part of the body suffers, then the rest of the body, the rest of the parts suffer with it. And when one part is doing amazing, it's praised. All the other parts share in its happiness. We, as a church family, we understand that this is God's design. We pursue relationships because we know that church is more than a, a Sunday morning experience that lasts an hour. It is living together. It's living life together. Here are some really simple ways to pursue authentic relationships. It can be as simple as staying after the church service for a few minutes and meeting someone you don't know. That friend may go on to become a lifelong friend. Or maybe you stay after the service for a couple minutes and you notice someone who's hurting and you become that shoulder that they can cry on. Maybe you're already doing that. I see many of you doing that. Maybe you need to take it up a level. Maybe you need to start looking for people who you can be real with. People you don't have to fake it with. A great place to find those kind of people is in a small group. Maybe that's your next step to authentic relationship. Inside that small group circle, it's a hedge of protection. What's shared there stays there. You can lean on people when you're hurting. Something cool happens as we grow closer. Something powerful changes inside of us. We don't want to stay where we were. We want to become better. We desire to be better. I want you to write this down. We as a church are always improving. We're always improving. We're always stretching ourselves. We're never stagnant. We're never content to stand still. As a, as a church family, we desire to go deeper, and we desire to grow deeper in our faith and in our understanding of Jesus. The Bible says you must. Circle that word must. This isn't a suggestion. 
you could, you can, you must. It's a command. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We improve. We grow in peace and grace and knowledge by doing what Jesus did. We read God's words found in the Bible. Jesus knew the Bible so well that when he was being tempted by Satan in person, after he had just finished this amazing event, he was extremely tired. He used scripture, the Bible, to pull him out of that temptation. Listen to how Jesus did it. It says, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Jesus had to be starving. I mean, I'm two days and I'm, I'm hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I'm thinking Texas Roadhouse. Mm. <laughs> Honey on top. And Jesus said, No! He said, no, the scripture says people, the the scripture is the Bible, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is the first thing that tumbles out of your mouth when Satan tempts you with that driver who cuts you off in traffic? Is it a Bible verse? Is that even realistic? It will be realistic if We saturate ourselves in the Bible. I really wish I was better at that, especially the guy who cuts me off in traffic. But I am seeing glimmers of hope in my life, of progress in my life. Just this week while I was preparing for this message, I really felt bombarded by the enemy. I felt attacked big time. I knew that Satan didn't want you to hear what I had to share, but you know, the bigger thing was I knew that Satan didn't want me to hear it. He didn't want me to believe it. And I was tempted to go into this negative thinking, Rich, you have so much to do. You're never going to get through it all. You're never going to get your thoughts in order. And these are crazy thoughts, and they're nothing but a distraction to me. But something cool happened during this time. A verse kept coming back and popping into my mind whenever my thoughts started to go in that direction. It's a verse I memorized a couple of months ago. And it goes like this. You will keep, God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I'm a, I'm a carpenter by heart. And I'm fixing my, I'm getting a nail and a hammer and I'm fixing my thoughts on Jesus. I'm going to make this something that can't come off. And as I did this, as I turned my mind over to this kind of thinking, as I filled it with scripture, I was becoming better. It helped scripture. The Bible makes me better. You know, a really simple start to Bible reading is downloading the YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone. You can even download a Bible plan. They have a billion, a zillion plans. And you can take one of those plans. You can even do them with a friend. You can sign up and do it with a friend. Here's another way we improve our lives. We do this by doing something else that Jesus did. We pray. Jesus, after a long day that lasted from sunup to sundown, after miraculously feeding 5,000 people with just five dinner rolls and two fish, he was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. But I'll tell you what he didn't do. 
He didn't go back to his tent, kick off his sandals, and binge on Netflix. He did something different, something that made him better, something that improved his earthly life. Jesus prayed. The Bible describes it like this. It says, when the crowd dispersed, Jesus climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. What is your chosen activity after a long day with the kids or, or with the boss? Or if you're in college, all that time doing studying. What is your chosen activity? Would you consider making yourself a better person through prayer? Jesus also prayed in order to prepare for upcoming trauma. The Bible says, then Jesus went with them, this is the disciples, to a garden called Gethsemane. He knew he was about to die. He knew he was going to be, in hours, be crucified. His heart was troubled, and he gathered his disciples together so that they could pray. He said, stay here. Stay here while I go just a little bit over there, and I pray. And he took along with him Peter, James, and John, and he plunged into agonizing sorrow. He unburdened his heart to God. When you know that you're going through a tough day or you're going to have a tough day, what is your natural reaction? When your world comes tumbling down on you, how do you cope? Would you consider talking to God about it? That's prayer. Last week, my wife, Maria Mia, uh, was trying to get a hold of me, and I was in a meeting. And I had my phone turned off to silent, and she was calling and calling and calling. I'd never heard it. She was texting and texting. I never saw it. And as she's waiting for me to respond, she hears this voice in her head, and it was God speaking to her. He said, I want to hear. I want to hear what's happening with you right now. Talk to me. Will you? And so she stopped what she was doing, waiting on me, and she started pouring her heart out to God as she was driving. And in that process, God brought her peace. By the time I called, she said, honey, I got this. God and I, we got this. And it was such a beautiful thing to hear. God desires deep relationship with us. That happens when we bear our souls in prayer. We are, we are people who improve our lives through prayer and time spent in his word, the Bible. We do that here. That's who we are. That's part of our DNA. Now, as we pursue authentic relationships, as we improve our lives, as we grow in maturity, something supernatural happens to us our lives start to fill up and they begin to overflow on the people around us. That's what we do as a church family. God's calling us to take that overflow and pour ourselves out and into others. We are intentionally pouring out into the lives of others. That's who we are. We pour ourselves out into the lives of others because Jesus poured himself out. I want you to listen to one of the descriptions that Jesus uses to describe himself. He says, for even the Son of Man, that's what he called himself often, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to what? 
Yes, to serve, to serve others. Jesus described himself as a servant, as someone who poured himself out by serving. And we're called to do the same thing. Listen to how Jesus calls us to serve. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. Maybe it's making a meal for someone who doesn't have food. Maybe it's feeding one of the homeless people who's standing on the side of the road. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I saw you guys do that this winter. We gathered a bunch of clothes and took them to refugees in Matamoros. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. I see you guys doing this. And it's a beautiful sight because it changes you and it changes the people that you pour into. A friend of mine named Tony Barba, you'll see him sitting right up here playing the electric guitar. He didn't always play in church and probably he probably never thought he was going to play in church. But God got a hold of his life and God convicted him that he needed to start pouring into other people. So now on Sunday mornings, instead of the nightclubs he was playing at, he's now here. He's sitting on that chair and he's pouring into you all. He helps you feel welcome. He helps us feel invited home. What Tony Barba does is something you guys can do as well. And you may not be good at music. So maybe you're not going to sit up here and play an instrument. But maybe you cut grass. So you volunteer to cut a needy person's grass. Maybe it's that widow lady who's too old to get out there and do it herself. We pour ourselves out. Maybe you cut hair. Find that single mom with three boys and offer to give them a trim. Pour yourself out. Maybe you're a mechanic and you volunteer to help that elderly person that can't get their car started. You pour yourself out. Maybe you make a mean espresso. Make people a mean espresso and tell them about Jesus. Okay, I got some really cool news coming up. Some of you are going to get really excited about this. We are bringing back coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get excited about anything else. You get excited about coffee. We are going to bring back coffee right before Easter. So if you make a mean espresso, that means you can make a simple coffee. So come, pour yourself out. You can sign, it up on, sign up on the comment card and let us know. We pour ourselves out in the lives of the people around us in, in the simple ways that God has gifted us. The way, what we're good at, we do. We pour into others. Because you know what happens? As we pour ourselves out to others, they see Jesus in us. As we pour ourselves out, we are promoting Jesus. We're promoting Jesus. We as a church family, we're not ashamed to be called Christians. You guys are doing this. I see new faces every week. That means you're promoting Jesus. Somehow they heard about BCF. Somehow they're hearing about Jesus through you guys. As a church family, we get it. We understand this great calling that Jesus gave to his disciples when he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Jesus is saying, promote me. Tell people about me. 
Now, some of you, when, when I said that verse, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, all you heard was the word preach, and you're like, me preach? I don't preach. I don't do that. Friends, preaching is so much bigger and it's so much better than standing up here on a stage and talking to a group of people. You may not feel qualified, but God sees you as gifted. He wants to use your voice. One of my favorite verses is, is, Philippians, is Ephesians 2.10, and it goes like this. And I like to put my name in there. For rich is God's masterpiece. Put your name in there. For you are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for us long ago. And his plan for us is to promote him, to tell others about him. God sees you as that kind of masterpiece. He wants to use your voice. If you're a masterpiece, he's not going to chuck you under the bed. He's going to pull you out and hang you on the wall so that others can see you, so you can speak to them about him. Promoting Jesus is as simple as this. It's being available. Being available is being ready for God to use you to do something exciting for him. A couple of months ago, Marie and I went downtown Brownsville to eat. And downtown Brownsville isn't a great place to go at night. And after we were finished eating, we got, got out of the restaurant. We're walking back to our truck, which was parked way down the road. And we walked right by the city um, center, the, the courtyard there that, where everybody just kind of hangs out. And it was lonely that night. There was only one young man sitting there, and he had his hands in his head in his hands, and you could tell he was really struggling. And Maddie and I glanced at him and kept on walking. We got into our car, and as we shut the door, we both looked at each other and said, you know what? Are you feeling what I'm feeling? I'm feeling like Jesus is telling us to go back and talk to this young man. So we got back out of the truck, locked the doors. We walked back, and we sat down with this young man, and he just bared his soul. Told us that he had lost his kids. He'd lost his wife. He lost his job. Then he lost his house. And now he was on the streets, all because of an addiction to drugs. We cried with him. We prayed with him. We told him about church. We invited him to come. We told him that God loved him and that God wasn't finished with him yet. Then we went back to that restaurant we're at we got him a pizza and took it out to him and gave it to him and as we're walking back to the car it it just struck us what an honor to, honor to be to be available like that you see this wasn't about rich and maria this was about that that young man sitting on that park bench he needed to know about jesus and jesus's love for him if we wouldn't have been available, if Maria and I wouldn't have been available, God would have found someone else. He would have found some other way to reach this man because Jesus loves him. He loves him like crazy. We are promoting Jesus by being available. Will you be available for God to do something cool through you? We also promote Jesus by being flexible. Being flexible is believing that even though I showed up for one reason, and it might have been a selfish reason, God may have something else in mind for us. That something else is a someone else. 
Kathy Settle, one of our church members, decided to come to our Light Up the Night event that we did with student ministry. Now, we had already, it's all organized. She had come with the intention of just having fun, walking off with some candy. But instead, she saw a piece of chalk on the side of the, the parking lot, and she drew out a hopscotch. And kids started lining up to play hop, hopscotch. And if they were able to get through it, play it successfully, she would give them a candy and an invitation to BCF. That wasn't part of her plan. She didn't come for that, but she was flexible enough to do something that God had planned for her at that moment. We promote Jesus by being available. We promote him by being flexible. And we promote him by being bold. By being bold. That's taking one little step outside your comfort zone. Are you willing to do that? Could you do that? Listen to how God used my friend, Jessica, to do exactly that. So Claudia Dame had come over to the office and talked to us about gospel conversation. And she offered a seminar at our church. And we all as staff decided that it was a great idea because we would get trained on how to share the gospel. And I, and I love to talk about Jesus and I love to share the gospel. So we went to the training and everything was great and they were teaching us and they were, sh they were showing us how to share the gospel and it was very exciting. And then they said, now we're gonna go do it. Now we're gonna go walk the streets and go knock on doors and we're going to share the gospel with people from Bronzeville. And I was like, that's not what I signed up for. I love to share Jesus with people but I don't like to go knock on doors. And I didn't know where to hide. I didn't know what to do. I went to the restroom hoping everyone would leave without me. Everyone was praying and excited about sharing the gospel and God giving them the words to, to reach the lost. And while I was praying, I hope no one opens the doors. So there we go. We go to this apartment complex, start knocking on doors. No one opened the doors. <laughs> I thought, thank you, Jesus, while well, my other, my partners were probably sad because no one opened the door. And at that point, I was really discouraged. I was like, this is not for me. I've always wanted to go on a mission trip, but I was very discouraged. So then I finally decided, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to give it one last chance. And if this is not for me, it's, it's not for me, but I'm going to try it. So I was kind of scared, but as we, as we drove to Reynosa, I felt a lot of peace, so much peace. And as we crossed the bridge, I saw these tents of all these people um, that were coming. They were seeking refuge from Honduras, from El Salvador. They were so hungry for the word of God. And I started talking to these kids about Jesus and I started explaining the gospel and I started teaching them the gospel and we were taught how to teach them how to share the gospel. So as I was teaching them, they were able to do it and share it with other kids. So. It was super exciting. It was the most beautiful thing when we went to Reynosa. It was life-changing for me. The most rewarding thing that I've ever done. How much do you love your family, your friends, your neighbors across the street or across the world? Do you love them enough to be 
available, to be flexible, and to be just a little bit bolder. As a church family, we are not afraid to promote Jesus. And when we do all of these steps together, when we understand our purpose for living, we're doing something very special. We are pointing to God with our lives. Listen to how Jesus calls us to live. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, everything in you, to God because of all he's done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. You see, worship is so much more than simply using our words to sing, our voices to sing. True worship is using every part of ourselves to make God look good. True worship is doing everything we talked about today. And yes, we could do all of these things a little bit better. But you know what? I already see us as a church full of worshipers. We're doing these things, and it's a beautiful thing to see. We're people who have a purpose in life because we live with purpose. Now, as you've been listening, maybe these topics, these subjects, these purposes have sounded kind of familiar. I want you to look up and look to my right on the wall. You'll see those words up there. Those are our purposes. That's who we are at BCF. I want you to do something in the margin of your notes. There's no place for this. So right in the margin of your notes, right beside number one, we are authentic in our relationship. I want you to write that word connect. Right beside where it says we are always improving, write the word grow. Where, we, where it says we are intentionally pouring out to others, write the word serve. And where we're promoting Jesus, write the word introduce. And finally, where it says we're pointing to God with our lives, write the word worship. That's who we are. I have a final thought for you. Which of these five steps needs to be my next step? We don't stay stuck. We improve. We move forward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for my friends, for my church family. I love these guys. I love the way you're working in and through us. I see us doing all of these things. But I know right here in this service, there are those who need to step it up. They need to go to the next step. They need to move forward to find complete and total purpose. Our purpose grows. Our joy grows as we do all of these things. Give us the courage, Lord Jesus, to step out of our comfort zones and to take a step into something new and grow in our purpose and grow in our love for you. We love you, Lord. We can't do this on our own. We're trusting you for this. And we ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.